What can Dave Aranda do to win your vote this fall? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Don Baylor, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. And today we're talking about the old ball coach down here in Waco. One of the most divisive figures. Well, I shouldn't even say. I don't know that he's divisive at this point. I think a lot of the fan base has kind of made up their mind on Dave Aranda. And it's a lot different than the opinion they had two years ago. Dave is on borrowed time. I can't deny that. Don't necessarily want that, but that's the way it is. Where you're sitting at, what are they, two and four? Two and four right now and are on the brink of being eliminated from bowl contention within the next two weeks here on the road against Cincinnati this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about them later and more in depth tomorrow. And Iowa State at home, homecoming on the 29th, could be the funeral march for this team and losing their bowl eligibility. And that, of course, falls squarely on the head coach, who is in year four. He has replaced, he has hired, fired, and replaced both his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator in his time at Baylor. And I'm just going to get this part out of the way in the first segment. I like Dave Aranda. I do. Is there some personal bias there because of how he treats the media? Probably a little bit, yeah. Probably a little bit, but I am trying to detach from that situation. I like him because I think he's a good, good, good football coach. Is he a good head coach? I don't know. And if I if you put a gun in my head and said, hey, we're in the middle of year four at Baylor, his first head coaching job, is he a good head coach? I'd have to say no. He had one great season. And it's been downhill since then, which was coming off a bad season. Now, honestly, I don't love giving coaches a pass, but first year COVID 2020, I have to kind of give him a pass on that one. I almost don't hold that record against him. I really feel, I feel like 2021 was his first season, but then again, <laughs> I will say he did lay the foundations for 2021 and 2020. So I can't have it both ways. So in this case, in this argument, I have to count 2020 against him. And it was bad. It was brutally bad. And it's a tough draw for him. Now, I like Dave because I I know this is an overused term, but I do think he is a defensive genius. I really do. And I think he was and will be again a really good defensive coordinator at the college level. Um, In fact, my biggest fear is we are going through with Dave Aranda at Baylor, what the Browns fans had with Bill Belichick. And the Browns era of Bill Belichick is not as bad as people want you to believe as the narrative wants you to believe. He had a playoff victory for them in 94. And then in 95, He had a pretty good season going, and halfway through the season, they announced that the team was leaving. This historic franchise was leaving, and it was just, I mean, talk about giving a coach a pass. That that place went just chaotic the last two months of that season, month or two months of that season in 95. And the 
deck was really stacked against him and they started to lose. They didn't make the playoffs and they said, well, there's no room for you on the plane to Baltimore. And then he goes on to be a good um, defensive coordinator again, like he was before. He was the best coordinator in football before taking the Browns job. Coaches with the Patriots as the defensive backs coach for one year. They go to the Super Bowl and then he becomes the Jets DC. He has a great run there. Um, and the Jets make the playoffs, I think, twice in that time, and then goes on to become the best head coach in the history of the league. I think we could be experiencing that with Dave Aranda. Heck of a defensive coordinator, both at Wisconsin and LSU. They win the national championship at LSU. He comes to Baylor. He you know, struggles at first, like most coaches do, uh, like Belichick did in Cleveland, has a great season. Better than Belichick's by comparison. Um, didn't make the college football playoff, but won the Big 12 and won the Sugar Bowl. Most wins in the history of the program in a single season. And then it starts to kind of go haywire after that. And I think my biggest fear and what I think is going to happen is that Dave is going to be gone from Baylor either this year or next year. And he is going to resurrect his image as a defensive coordinator at a big program. Something like, honestly, a revolving door of coaches is like an Alabama. And then he's going to be the head coach somewhere else and have a ton of success. Belichick type success, probably not, because that's just not how it works in college football. But I think he is going to like be in the playoff with someone like a like a Michigan State or a Washington, although they're doing pretty well right now. Um or someone like that, or go to the conference championship as a head coach in South Carolina, or something like that. And we're just going to be like what Browns fans are for Bill Belichick, or were, because I know they're not really um, banging down his door to get him in Cleveland right now. But that is my biggest fear, because I think he is a really good football coach. And some guys are meant to be coordinators. Rex Ryan in the NFL. Hell of a coordinator, not a good head coach. And some guys test out the waters of head coaching and it's not for them. And they're back to being a head coach or excuse me, a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator. I'll give you another Baylor name. Kevin Steele was a damn good DC before. He's been a damn good DC since had some big, big, big jobs uh, after the failed tenure at Baylor. That's what I fear he could be which will be great for someone else's program and someone else's program is going to be laughing at us. But I think he is a great X's and O's coach. I don't know that anybody can deny that. I think the biggest thing is I don't know how stable a program is that he runs. And we just, we just don't know that yet. We definitely thought two years ago it was stable, but he's in year four and again, hired, fired and replaced both his coordinators. And lost his special teams coordinator too. We'll count him. So is he a great head coach? I don't know. He's not a very good recruiter that we've seen. Um, he's brought some guys along in the transfer portal, but not enough. And he's losing recruits and not recruiting well in his own backyard. So all of those things stack up against you in college football. And you're just not going to last very long as a head coach. Um, but I think we saw in 2021, he was doing things with Matt Rule's players, of course, with Matt Rule's players that Matt Rule couldn't do. 
So I, I think it is a hollow argument to say it was all Matt Rule's players because while that is correct, and there is some, blame's not the right word, but that's some context to things. Matt Rule's players also never beat a ranked team. Never. They were bullies. And Dave's team beat five ranked teams in the same year and won the two games that Matt Rule couldn't, you know, in the conference championship and in the Sugar Bowl. So I think that's a bit hollow to say that. But is it hollow to say he's not a good head coach? No, because we just don't know that yet. And those who have made up their mind about it say he is not a good head coach. That said, there is something Dave can do to make this season a little bit better. The obvious answer is that he needs to win. But the other thing he can do to make this season a little bit better, for him anyway, is to use prize picks because they're a sponsor of today's video. They're also the number one daily fantasy sports game in North America. And I love it. It's super easy, and the money just rolls in. They do quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay, and there's a huge selection of players and stats that you can bet on that are just money in your pocket. I'm talking like if he wasn't on IR, Justin Jefferson for 100 yards. Like, that's easy. He does that every game. Um, Odell Beckham back in the day for 50 yards. I'm just reading the copy it has here. It's just very funny that these are all <laughs> just now outdated within the last two or three weeks. Josh Allen, two or more passing touchdowns. That might be a little outdated as well. But my point is they really do. I play this all the time. They're giving you easy money bets, not John Cougar Mellencamp to win an Oscar at a thousand to one, a lot easier than that. And the great thing about them that no other thing has is the reboot system. Okay. The prize pick reboot policy says that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games or college football games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted, and Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that kind of injury insurance. So what you need to do now is go to PrizePicks.com/slash Locked On College, and then use the code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, that is PrizePicks.com/slash Locked On College with the code Locked On College. L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E. They make me spell that out. So check that out. And use Prize Picks, America's number one daily fantasy sports game. Back to what Dave can do to make the season better for us, the fans, and the people surrounding the program. I put this question out on Twitter, and I regret it. It was stupid because I knew exactly what was going to happen, and you dolts did it anyway. <laughs> I love you guys, but some of you were dumb. I said, What can Dave Aranda do? to get you guys back on board, to get us, the fans, back on board. And I asked for specifics because I knew exactly what answer was coming, and that was win. No feces, guys. Of course, that's better for everyone. But, like, if he wins on Saturday against Cincinnati, are you just back in? What it, like, how, many, how much winning does he need to do? That's more what I was looking for. Um, yeah, everyone just said win. That was just stupid on me. I can't even... I mean, you guys are stupid, but... But I was more stupid here. Yeah. Um, so what does he need to do? I think the easy answer here, other than win, because we're talking about specifics, is making a bowl game and salvaging this season, playing a postseason game. Um, 
that's the easy answer from our standpoint. It's obviously very not easy for this coaching staff and these players because they've really dug themselves a hole. They need to go four and two the rest of the way. And I just don't see that happening. Even with some favorable games at home, I do not see that happening. With the last three games they have on their schedule uh, being Kansas State, TCU, and West Virginia. Everyone's beaten everybody right now. A couple of those teams have suffered some bad losses in the last two weeks, but still, <laughs> do you pencil those in as wins? I can't. I can't do that. So let's just play this out, okay? They don't make a bowl game. They're four and eight, so they get some momentum. <laughs> That's sad to say, but they're at four and eight. And Mac Rhodes believes in the vision of Dave Aranda, and he wants to give them another chance. Alternatively, they can't afford the payout, so they give him another chance. So Dave is back next year. What is what is the baseline for him? Can you can you afford to do another one and two, one and three start next year after going four and eight? Because I don't I don't think so. Even even if you salvage that and you go seven and five, eight and four, you go on an awesome run. I just don't know that the leash is that long. And you've already done kind of the last resort, which is, again, cleaning house on your coordinators and bringing in your own guys. I use air quotes on that, your own guys, because these are his own guys. And the most recent example I can think of that is uh, 2019. I might be wrong in the year. 2020? With Tom Herman at Texas, uh, they'd won the Sugar Bowl <laughs> in 2018, and he kind of had one last shot after the 19 season, I believe is what it was, um, and it was to clear house, fired all his coordinators, brought a whole new staff in, and that was like, ooh, man, University of Texas is doing that? That's a rich athletic program. They can't just find another head coach? <laughs> Um, and it didn't work and he was gone one year later. So that is the last resort and it's been staggered. It didn't happen in the same year like Herman did, but Dave has done that. Remember he comes in with Larry Fedora and Ron Roberts and they looked like good moves at the time. Hindsight is 2020, but Larry Fedora was a guy who had a Bennett Baylor before, which is kind of cool. Um, but had run some good offenses in the past and had some good teams at North Carolina. Um, you'll remember when Baylor ran all over Carolina in the Russell Athletic Bowl in 2015, that was a the number 10 team in the nation, the Tar Heels. This was a, I was not expecting Baylor to win that game at all. And Ron Roberts, another guy who had just kind of been either over or beside Dave Aranda for years on defensive coaching staff. This made sense. It made sense. And then Larry Fedora runs the most brain-dead offense any of us have ever seen. Even the ones, even those of you who watched the Guy Morris era and the, and the Kevin Steele era, this was horrific. And unfortunately, it's why, how people remember Charlie Brewer was that last year, and it was just brain-dead, stupid, awful football. And so he gets rid of Fedora. Okay, give him a mulligan there. Brings in Jeff Grimes, who is one of, who was one of the hottest assistant coaches in the nation at the time. You know, he just put Zach Wilson at number two in the draft. That was him. BYU had some good teams. And he played a style of football that was going to fit a defensive-minded head coach. And year one, it absolutely did. 
It was perfect complimentary football. Was it putting up 50 points a game? You guys were there. Obviously not. It was not. But you didn't need that. And that's what you should not need in a Dave Aranda-type system with a defensive-minded head coach. And I personally still like Jeff Grimes, but I think the rest of the team is not doing his offense any favors. Like, if you don't have a strong defense that creates turnovers, it's just not fitting into the Jeff Grimes offense. And I know there are Baylor fans out there that are saying it shouldn't matter because Art Bryles used to put up 60 points a game. That's fantastic. A, that style of offense is dead. Go look up the road in Fort Worth. That's not the kind of offense that's winning games anymore. Going to be, being a top five team anymore. It's not the number one offense in the country. That said, <laughs> you would like someone with a little more versatility as an offensive coordinator when the defense plays like this. Maybe I'm giving out too many mulligans, but that's why I give a longer leash to a guy like Jeff Grimes because I've seen this offense work. And A, you need to have a better offensive line than this. And there's a coach for that, Eric Mateos. And they're both on the recruiting trail and they have not brought in the personnel to, to protect the quarterback. They haven't. Because I think they've recruited the right quarterback and two good running backs and two good running backs, young running backs behind them. So to me, that says, and and three very capable tight ends. And then Jake Roberts is in there too, who catches some balls. That works too. My point is, this is the personnel at the skill positions for a Jeff Jeff Grimes offense. They don't have an offensive line and they don't have receivers who win on the outside which does not make for a well-rounded offense. I get that. Hand up. I understand that. But with the style of football they are trying to play, the defense is not good enough, and the offensive line is not good enough. The receivers at the end of the day still aren't good enough. And the coaching staff, Dave Aranda and company, this is not excluding Jeff Grimes here, they're not recruiting well enough. They're not getting the personnel in here. The literal athletic director said that on tape. We don't have the personnel for this. So that's where he's fallen short, big time. And that falls on him, is recruiting. And defensively, all the people love Matt Powledge. It's year one. I just haven't seen it yet. I would love to love him as well, but I haven't seen it yet. And since rules guys have left, this has been a slower defense It has been a less physical defense, and it has not turned the ball over like those defenses did under Rule and then in the first two years under Aranda with Rule's guys. That has to lead me to believe as a fan that those guys were dogs and that it played well in the Aranda system, but that he's not recruiting the guys that need to be in this system. And when you are playing with you know, short fields and you're playing with momentum and you're playing ahead of the chains, so to speak, this Jeff Grimes offense works perfectly. Easy passes, running the heck out of the ball, playing bully ball. But right now, they are not physical enough, they are not good enough defensively, and they are miles off it on the offensive line. So, 
that was me kind of defending Dave Aranda, but also saying he's not getting the job done where it matters in college, and that is the recruiting. So the scheme is awesome, and I love the kind of football he wants to play that we saw in 2021 and in some parts of 2022, not a lot, and have not seen it all this year. So it's not just him. And it's not just Jeff Grimes, because I know the people who want to fire Dave Aranda too also want to fire Jeff Grimes. And it's not just him. Part of it's on these players, but it's part most of it is just the whole, the sum of the coaching staff and the program as it is right now. So I'm not saying fire Dave Aranda right away. I'm also not saying that this is entirely his fault. I'm also not saying that it's good enough, because it certainly isn't. We're all embarrassed on what this football season has been. And I'm okay with being embarrassed. The only thing I won't stand for is being unprepared. And quite honestly, Baylor isn't prepared to play most of their games, but I'm an Eagle Scout, so I am sticking by the be prepared motto. And that's why I'm talking to you about Jace Medical today. They're also a sponsor on today's show. But the Jace case is what makes sure you are prepared all the time. The Jace case, it's got five life-saving antibiotics in there so that if you have an emergency, they're the ones that are going to hold you over until the medics come, until you can get to the doctor. So it's not the cure-all, but it's what's going to help you. It's going to give you that peace of mind too, especially when you're traveling. You know, if you're heading to Cincinnati this weekend for the game, you don't want to be too far away and not have that peace of mind. So that's why you go with the Jace case. It offers custom customizability for the case with dozens of add-on medications. And it allows you to choose the medications that best fit you and your family's needs. Because everyone's needs are different, right? That's why Jay's case is making it customized to you. And it's continually working to expand their medication offerings. So keep, keep on the lookout. They're always offering new things. And in those efforts, they have added ivermectin as an option to the Jay's case, which is great for things that aren't COVID-19. Don't use that for COVID-19, okay? Uh, but it's going to be great in your Jace case. And you can buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones so that they have the peace of mind too that you're going to get with it. So you go to jacemedical.com, enter the code Locked On at checkout for a $20 discount on that first order. That's promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at Jace Medical. Jace rhymes with case, spelled like that too. J-A-S-E medical.com. So, what can Dave do to get us back? I think a better question, which should use some better spacing in my rundown that you see if you're watching on YouTube, is what is the identity of a Dave Aranda team? I think I know what it is because I've seen it when it's successful, but clearly this team is, is not it. And last year, it wasn't really it. But I'm going to highlight a game from last year because it's so easy for me to pull a bunch of, from 2021. The Oklahoma game is, oh, it's great. It's great. Three quarters of the Texas game that year. Fantastic. Ole Miss and Oklahoma State, those final two games. Absolutely. They fit the Dave Aranda blueprint. And only one of those games did Baylor score over 30 points. So it's not a high-octane offense, but you can win without that normally. I'm going to look at last year, week four, so Baylor is two and one. They beat Albany. They lose at BYU and they beat Texas state. And now they're in their first conference game. It's on the road at Iowa state. 
Iowa State did not have a great year last year. Early in the season, though, we didn't know that. And they had what still ended up being statistically one of the best defenses in the Big 12. And it was, I think, maybe the best Blake Shapin game that we've seen. Um, he was in his bag. He was short passes, calling run audibles at the line, got the tight ends involved. Ben Sims had a touchdown in that game. Drake Dabney had a few big catches as well. Offensively, that's how it was supposed to look. They ran, remember, they ran the trick play. It was a, uh, I think it was a flea flicker, right? Flea flicker to a wide open Gavin Holmes in the end zone. And I think it ends up being 31 24, but really it was like 31 14. Um, Iowa State turns one over in the end zone. That ends up being called a touchdown. That was stupid. Um, but they did that and they turned the ball over from Iowa State three times. One of them, was literally a pick where the guy just the receiver just got leveled, the ball popped out, and it was picked off by Devin Neal. It was so quintessential Dave Aranda. Not a blowout, but very physical. And Baylor being the more physical team in that game. Easy, quick reads on offense, matriculating the ball down the field, holding the ball, and bang, one, one trick play, and you're out of reach, which is exactly what happened. And they ran the ball enough at the end of the game to run out the clock. Perfect Dave Aranda. Turnovers, physicality, winning at the line of scrimmage, and sets up easy passes because the run game is so darn good. After that, you didn't really see that again, <laughs> which is the bang unfortunate part of all this. Actually, the closest one would have been TCU, which is a game, again, they lost, but they crumbled in the last two minutes of that one. OU, great win. Fantastic win, but it was 38-35. Your defense didn't play hardly a lick uh, in that game, even though they forced three turnovers. Texas Tech, that was the next closest one. Um, I think a lot, not that they won the game on this, but it was a blowout because Tech's quarterbacks sucked so bad. And I say quarterbacks because I think three of them threw picks. Um, but you ran the hell out of the ball and just smashed them in the mouth. Since then... They have not hit any team in the mouth. Not one. Not one. Not Oklahoma. Not Kansas State. But also not Air Force. Not Long Island. Not Texas State. None of those teams that they hit in the mouth. So uh, you have to go back 13 months to find the last quintessential game that 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 the winning formula was there for this head coach. And that's bad. That's bad. Because since then, their lines have not been very good, either one, um, at all, actually. Um, offensive line was pretty decent throughout most of the year last year, though, to be fair. Um, they have not been physical. They have not run the ball well. And the quarterback play dipped quite a bit towards the end of last season, has come up again this season, but it's been offered up because everything else has sucked. So I think that is the big problem here. And obviously, I think we all agree there's a problem with, with the program, but they don't have a good identity. The identity right now is they suck. They're bad. They're not good in any phase of the game. That's their identity right now. But the identity that brought you success when he was handed the keys has not come back. 13 months, it has not come back. And at this point, you got to wonder, is it ever going to come back? 
I really hope it does because I love Dave and I think he's really good for Baylor. But there are obvious and glaring shortcomings that will continue to sink this program if that keeps up. That's the Dave Aranda episode. Thanks for tuning in. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about Dave Aranda. Comment on YouTube. Comment on Twitter. Tell me. What do you think? Is there something I'm missing, good or bad, that can help my understanding or, in turn, help this program if it's good? Just tell me. Because I know a lot of us are probably at the end of the road. But I'd love to hear some hope for it. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. We're breaking down exactly what Baylor needs to do to beat Cincinnati. I know that sounds weird to say because I don't, I don't know. But I'll talk myself into it by then. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. This has been and always will be Locked on Baylor.